0: Well, earlier this week, I think it was Monday evening, I needed to drive uh, my son and a friend of his across town out uh, to the southeast side. So I was driving up 28th Street, and, um, and I passed a sign by Fruit Basket Flowerland, and um, you know, if you notice where they have plants out, it's all covered with snow and it's all dead. And their sign said, uh, it proclaimed, garden seeds and starter plants have arrived. And I embarrassed my son greatly because I let out a cheer and I celebrated. And my mind immediately started thinking about what I'm going to plant in my garden this spring. Even though my garden is still frozen solid, um, I think he was horrified having his friend in the car as I started talking about gardening and planting seeds. And... Any other gardeners here? Yeah, a few, good. A few who are eager to get those seeds in the ground. Um, some of us, who just love digging in the dirt and can't wait do it. It's interesting I thought about that then as later on as was writing this message and in this lunch season as we're following the path of Jesus through the gospels we're going to be walking through a number of farmers fields uh, as we read through the gospels and Jesus is going to talk about planting he's going to talk about harvesting he's going to talk about about farming because uh, in the society that Jesus lived in it was mostly in an agrarian farming society. Some of you are probably, maybe have some farming background in your family. You laugh at people like me with our little tiny gardens, getting excited about one little cucumber that we get to eat at dinner. Um, some of you are, are more into it. And that was the culture that Jesus grew up in. Where, and he lived in where farming was a, was a big deal. He always walked past fields with, of grain and grapes and figs and olives. And he couldn't help but know about planting and harvesting and farming. And, and these fields often became the settings for many of the stories that Jesus told. Uh, this is the case with the story we're going to look at tonight. Uh, it's in Matthew chapter 13. So take your Bibles out. Turn to Matthew 13, if you would. He tells a story specifically about seeds and specifically about growing things. Let me give you the setting while you're looking that up, Matthew 13. Jesus is, is up north in the, in the region of Galilee, teaching there. If you've been reading this week so far, you know that Jesus... Uh, started down south and he moved up and he spent a lot of time up in that galilee region and up in galilee things are a lot easier to grow Uh, down south in israel is the desert region it's hard to grow things there up north in galilee there's there's a lot more possibility for farmers and so he's hanging out in that region so in chapters 12 and 13 you're going to get a lot of stories about about farming and planting and 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 harvesting because that's what these people know and here here in chapter 13, Jesus has a large crowd gathered around, so large that he's, he's at the Sea of Galilee, and he puts his boat out a little bit into the lake so that, so that people can hear him. And listen to the parable he gives. Uh, we're going to start with just, ver- just verses 1 through 9, and we're going to keep reading, so you want to keep your Bibles open throughout the evening. Matthew 13, 1 through 9. So that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And he, told, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Okay, there's the parable we're looking at tonight, in five short verses. And that's usually all we get when Jesus tells parables, right? He usually tells the parable, throws it out into the crowd. They all get confused, and he walks away. And that's how it goes. This one, we get an explanation. Uh, first of all, we get an explanation of why he does that, why he teaches in stories, which is good for us to hear as we are going to read a lot of these parables in the coming weeks together. Uh, so keep reading at verses 10 through 17. So says, the disciples came and asked him, why do you speak to people in parables? They're as confused as everybody else, right? And He replies, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will ever be hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they close their, their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So, so Jesus teaches in parables. He teaches in stories because he knows that's the only way that his listeners, including us still today, are going to be able to understand and believe what he's teaching. It's because of, he says, because of spiritual dullness that he tells these stories. And Jesus ends his story here in verse 9 by saying, He who has ears, let him hear. It's his invitation to understand. while at the same time, admitting that a lot will not understand. Jesus recognizes the sad truth that those who are not willing, those who are not willing to receive his message in these words, in these picture stories, they won't make sense to, him, to them either. The truth will remain hidden. But to those who are willing to receive, Jesus says these simple stories reveal powerful truths, kingdom truths, if we'll listen. And recognizing that even his disciples would have a hard time understanding these stories, he goes on to tell them the meaning of this parable. We don't get this often, but he says, he explains this one to them and to us. Our last reading then continues on in verse 18. It says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and this deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. All right, so what is Jesus trying to tell us in this story of the farmer in his field? Often when we read this story at first glance, we we read this story in such a way that puts a lot of responsibility on our shoulders, right? When we read it often without reading the explanation, we, we understand ourselves to be the farmers in the story, right? Jesus tells us in verse 11 that the seed is the word of God. It's his truth. It's, it's the life-transforming message of Jesus Christ. And if we as followers of Jesus Christ are the farmer then we have been entrusted with that message and we're responsible for distributing that seed, for bringing that word all throughout the world and making sure that it grows. We scatter that seed all around us, right? And sometimes it grows well, sometimes it doesn't grow so well, but we faithfully scatter the seed, the truth of saving work of Jesus Christ. And then we work to make it grow so that we can give this harvest back to God. But that's not the way it works. We know that. Yes, God has entrusted us with with the honor of handling the message of his grace, right? We are called to bring his truth to this world, but we can't force anything to grow any more than when I put that cucumber seed in my garden, I can't make it grow. All I can do is sit there and watch the dirt and hope it grows. I have no power to make it grow. That's the same way. We don't have the power to take the word of God and, and speak to somebody and make it grow. That's the Spirit's work. We aren't the farmers in this story. God's the farmer scattering the seed, not us. We're simply the tools in the hands of the farmer that he uses to cultivate the the soil and to spread the seed. But it's interesting, you know, this story really isn't about the farmer. Jesus doesn't talk much about the farmer. His motivations, his methods doesn't really say much. And he doesn't really particularly stress the seed either. It's very important. It is the word of God. But Jesus doesn't go into the detail to talk about how that seed works. Instead, the focus of the story is on the dirt. It's on the soil. We're going to learn our lessons tonight in the dirt. It's where we see what Jesus is saying about you and about me. And it is about us. Right? It, it's in the dirt that Jesus wants his listeners to see themselves See, at that very moment, standing on that lake, lake shore, really sitting in that boat, Jesus, as he tells the story, is the sower. Right? He's, he's speaking the word of God, the truth of, of God out to his people. And the people sitting there are the dirt receiving that word. He's spreading that, that seed. He's doing the same thing here tonight. It still happens. We tonight are that soil as the word of God is being scattered into us and onto us. So we need to be careful, first of all, to remove ourselves from that sower position and to see ourselves in the soil instead. See, when we put ourselves into the sower's position, it's too often easy to to stand back there and judge other people's soil, right? To look back and see what the word of God is doing in somebody else's life or what it's not doing in someone else's life. That's not what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to look into our own lives. Look at our own soils to see how the word of God is growing in our own lives. Okay, and tonight he gives us really four different options to evaluate how the kingdom of God is growing in our lives within us. Four different places where most of us find ourselves in relationship with God. All of us are in one of these four options. And it might not be the one that we think we're in. It might not be the one that we wish we were in. All of us are in Jesus' story because all of us have received the seed. we received the word of God. That brings kingdom transformation. Being here this evening, again, you're receiving that seed. You're receiving the word of God. It's available to us. Some of us have been receiving that seed all of our lives for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. We've been receiving that seed, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that seed has taken root. It doesn't necessarily mean that that seed has started to grow yet. It's in the ground, maybe. But maybe it hasn't grown after all these years. For some of us, for some of us, our hearts are the hardened path that doesn't let the Word of God, that doesn't let the seed of the Word of God sink in very deeply. See, farmers in Jesus' day, for, for them, it wasn't unusual that during the winter season there would be paths that would be, that would be trampled in their field, right? That people would walk the straightest distance, the most direct route they could, and if the field was harvested, they'd cut right across the field, in the middle of the field. And it really wasn't a concern for, for these farmers as they scattered their seed because first they would scatter the seed, and even on this hardened ground, they, wherever it went, and then they would go and they would plow that ground over and turn that seed over and it would loosen that hardened path that had been trampled in the middle of their field. But Jesus is talking about that window of time between when the seed is scattered and when that hardened soil is then plowed under. And he says that time is a dangerous time. That seed that can't work its way and penetrate its way into the ground is fair game for the feet that will continue to walk on that path and for the birds who will swoop in and carry it away. And sadly, Jesus is saying, that's a picture of many people who hear God's word. Maybe some of us here tonight. Some of us are footpath people. We've heard the message of Jesus again and again and again, maybe for decades. But we've never let it penetrate into our hearts. Our hearts have never really been in it. Jesus has never come alive to us. We've never let him be Lord. Maybe we're kind of bored with Jesus. Maybe our upbringing or maybe our fear of hell keeps us coming back again. But honestly, we could really take him or leave him. We aren't going to make him be Lord. We aren't going to really give him our lives. Taking God seriously for some people is always somewhere out there in the the future somewhere. Someday, someday I'll really be committed to God. That someday is that in-between time when we don't let the word of God sink into our lives. And that's what Jesus says is so deadly. Jesus identifies you, if you're a footpath person, as, as fair game for the devil. Right? Satan wants nothing more than to keep that seed of faith from sinking into your heart and truly transforming you. And the longer you wait, the greater the opportunity for him to swoop in and take it away. You're defenseless in the spiritual battle as long as you let that seed just sit there. So some of us here tonight, I would guess, our footpath people. We've been given the truth of Jesus Christ, but we've never let it penetrate our hearts. We never let it change our lives. Some of us have played the role of good Christian all of our lives with a surface relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, then thank God that he's protected you so far. But don't wait any longer to soften your soul to soften your heart, to plow under that seed. Let the Holy Spirit plow under that seed and grow it in you. Start that transforming relationship with Jesus before it's too late, he's saying. Okay, so some of us are are footpath people. Some of us are rocky people. That's us, Jesus says, if, if we're excited and filled with joy at God's salvation message, as long as it's good for us, as long as it serves our purposes and makes us feel good. As long as life is good and faith in God brings blessing and joy in our lives, and we'll take it. Absolutely, we'll take it. But as soon as our faith is put to the test, as soon as there's difficulties in life, as soon as something happens that would cause us to question or doubt God's goodness, and we're done. We're done with God. We're done with Jesus. So we'll gladly accept the message that the gospel has to offer, but we're not in it for the long haul. Right? We aren't ready to be a, a true disciple. There aren't any roots to our faith because our relationship with Jesus is a shallow one. What Jesus calls rocky soil in this story isn't like your flower bed or your garden where, where you continually pick up little stones. It amazes me. Every spring, I think my garden grows stones because they just keep on coming back, right? These little stones you got to pick out and throw away somewhere. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the soil that looks really good on the surface, but just underneath that good-looking soil is a hard layer of stone. There's no depth. You know, for rocky people, our relationship with Jesus is a one-way street. We're in it for all that we can get out of it. And when the going gets difficult, we quit. And the challenge is that, that rocky soil might not always be visible, right? The farmer scattering his seed, as he looks at that sort of thing, that's a great place, scatters the seed. And then when he brings his plow over to turn it over, then he hits the rock. And it reveals that, that hardness underneath. That's a picture of some of us. Our faith may look great to the people all around us. But when we're honest with ourselves, we know the shallowness. The shallowness underneath. And those of us who are who are rocky people, need to examine the roots of our faith. Are we, letting, are we letting faith take root deep into our hearts and souls? Are we loving God more than for what just we can get back from him and get out of him? Are we rooted firmly enough in God's love that we won't wither when the sun starts baking us, when the difficulties come along? Are we growing roots of faith and understanding deeper and deeper so that, so that we're ready when times of testing come? Because they will come. God doesn't promise us every day is a, a, you know, a nice gentle rain and then sunshine afterwards, perfect growing conditions. He says tough times will come. Are our roots growing deep enough so that when the wind blows and the storm comes, we will hold firm? Some of us, some of us say no, we're shallow. We're rocky soil people. Okay, the third option for us is thorny people. And Jesus isn't talking about cranky, crabby people, although he does talk about those people other places in the Bible. Instead, he's, he's talking about the places where, where, where the, the farmer casts the seed and, and it grows just fine in this soil. But the problem is that that thorns and weeds grow up right alongside of this, this seed that he plants. And, and it's a battle for life, isn't it? I mean, a different kind of battle, but but these plants are really battling for which one will survive. They're battling to, to see who gets the sunshine. They're battling to see which one gets the water, the things that will make them grow. And what happens, that's what happens so often for you gardeners, the weeds win. Right? The weeds get the water. The weeds, the weeds grab the sunshine. And what you want to grow doesn't grow. The thorns in our lives, Jesus says, that, that are outdoing us in this battle, are often the good things of this world. They look really good. They're the things this world says we need to desire the most. Not, not just the things that are clearly sinful, but they're often good things that keep getting in the way of God. Like that beautiful rose bush that I keep trying to grow in my front yard. Right, The flowers are beautiful, but the thorns, they hurt so badly. Sometimes many of those good things in life are are really thorny things. Jesus says that thorny people are the people whose faith is getting choked out by the things of this world. There just isn't enough room in their lives for the things of God because there's too much other stuff. Now, I'd hate to say it, but I guess many people in our culture, maybe in our church, maybe in this room, would have to place ourselves in this category. We come here to hear God's word, and we, and we hear what it means to live a life fully committed to Jesus, but when we leave here, the things of this world just take over our lives, right? The thorns in Jesus' story rob the plant of nutrition and water and light and, and the space that it needs to survive. And that's exactly what the good things of the world do to us. Our daily routines are so overcrowded. Our materialistic pursuits are so important to us that they choke out God's transforming power in our lives. And we never mature. Isn't that the goal? It's the goal of my garden. I'm not just growing a garden to look at nice green plants. I want a harvest. I want a cucumber. I want some beans. I want some tomatoes. The goal is to to grow up and produce a harvest. For us, it's to bring the kingdom of God here, to be transformed and to transform the world around us. But we're so worried about about the things of this world, about our homes and our yards and our cars and our grandkids sporting events and keeping up with our, our social expectations. We don't have time to think about the kingdom of God. And we're so busy being entertained for hours each week, sitting in front of our television sets and our computer screens that we don't have time to open up God's word and pray. And we're so consumed by, by the self-centered pleasures that come in retirement or, or summer vacations or weekend pursuits. we can't imagine giving up any of that time for God. And the financial pressures that we live with, they make it impossible to invest in God's kingdom. We're busy taking care of our own. As appealing as the things of this world may be, and they are, and, and there's nothing intrinsically wrong with the things of this world, except that they quickly become thorns, choking away our faith, stealing away the time, stealing away the energy that we need to grow up. They leave no room for God. They leave no room in our lives for the things that will help us grow. So some of us need to do some weeding in our hearts and in our lives in order to clear out space for God. We need to think this evening about what we need to give up. And there might be good things that we need to give up. Good things we need to quit in order to make room for God. Because the goal for each one of us should be to be the good soil in which the word of God can take root and grow and ultimately produce that wonderful harvest, right? Jesus says that to produce the harvest, to bring the kingdom of God into this world, to make a difference here, we must be people who honestly listen to what God has to say, that, that we hold on to that word, we apply it to our lives, and then we, we persevere, we follow his direction no matter what the cost, trusting him in the good times and the bad. So unlike the footpath people, God's word doesn't just, sit, doesn't just sit on the surface of our lives, but it penetrates deeply. It displaces and disturbs life as we know it. And unlike the rocky people, we aren't in it just for what we can get out of it, but we're rooted in the greater kingdom purpose and plan. And unlike the thorny people, we make sure that there's room in our lives for what's really important, for the things that really matter, for the things of God. And when our lives are then recepted to the seed of God's word, then Jesus says, amazing harvest results. Then lost friends and neighbors see, see Jesus because we have room to love them in our lives. Then the hungry are fed, and the poor are helped, and the sick are cared for because we make room for service in our lives. Then ministries here and all around the world bring justice and mercy and the truth of Jesus Christ. And and, and they don't need to beg for funds because we eagerly give out of the blessing that we've been given. And then we begin to grow into a mature relationship with our Father because everything else that would steal away our time just doesn't seem so important anymore. When, When we truly look at the picture that Jesus gave in this story, It becomes a pretty powerful picture, one that should challenge each one of us to be honest about our own hearts before God. I hope you're honest with yourself here tonight. What kind of heart does the seed of God's kingdom fall on when it falls into your life? I'm sure we would all be eager to place ourselves in that fourth category, right? Yeah, I'm I'm the good soil. That's where I'm at. And, And Sometimes we are. But I doubt that that would be completely honest for all of us at all the times. Which which one, which quadrant, which kind of soil are you? God's going to keep on sowing his seed, the seed of his word. He's going to keep throwing it your way. The seeds of his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness will keep coming no matter the soil. right? He's not... Dis- He's not discriminatory that way. He's going to keep giving his offer. Thank God that he doesn't ever give up. And when his message falls on your life, as it's falling right now, what's your response going to be? What what type of soil are you going to live out? That will determine what kind of harvest you're going to bring, you're going to grow. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your patience with us. That you faithfully go out to sow your word. You faithfully continue to bring the message of your grace and your love and your mercy. First of all, to a world that so often is deaf to your offer, but then you keep bringing it to to people like us again and again. People who have heard it so many times. And sometimes I've been stubborn. Sometimes I've been unchanged. Sometimes I've have, have set it aside, ignored it. Sometimes I've let the things of this world take priority over it. And yet you keep in your graciousness coming back again and saying, I love you. And here's the truth I want to speak to you. Here's the seed I want to plant in you. Here's how I want to change and transform your life. Here's how I want to bring my kingdom into your life. God, that seed that you offer us again here tonight, may it work its way deeply into our lives. May it get past the rocks. May it get through the hard soil. May it it grow above and beyond the weeds and the thistles. And may we be people who grow and produce a great harvest for you. May your kingdom come in us and then through us. Father, keep scattering your seed into our lives and help it to grow. Keep growing it well in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me, please?